Aliens Explored is a podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? 1803 in the Hitachi province on the eastern coast of Japan. A strange vessel washes ashore with a strange woman aboard. But was she, as many ufologists claim, an extraterrestrial washed ashore on that Japanese coastline, or was she just a strange woman in a strange land? Join myself and Neil here on Aliens Explored as we discuss the legend that is Utsuro Bune. Hello listeners and welcome back to Aliens Explored, your weekly look at all those mysterious things going on in the skies, in the upper atmosphere, beneath our seas and in smoke-filled rooms of government um, government bunkers um i'm one i'm one of your hosts neil kelly and i'm your other host sitting in a smoke-filled bunker (laughs) Stu jackson it's not smoke-filled i haven't smoked in years um no me me neither no did you used to be a smoker well you know at school you were nobody if you didn't smoke you know it was the (laughs) it was the way into a particular set yeah in fact it was it was almost like it was not allowed not to smoke Right, I did not so, know that about you. Mm. Mm. Learn something new every day. Yeah, gave it up when I was about twenty because I'd left school and joined the army, and smoking is a big thing in the army. Right, um, but I gave it up for fitness reasons, and then, but then when I went to university, lapsed back into it because I was smoking other things too. <laughs> As one does at university. Which, which was my way into another particular set. Yeah, perhaps I'm just um yeah, I'm just a social chameleon really. I'll, I'll take up a deadly habit just to just to make friends. Yeah. Easily influenced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, no, I uh, I gave up five years ago now. But I was smoking when you met me, wasn't I? Um I don't remember actually because we were working, and I guess you had to go off somewhere to smoke. And uh, I remember the the thing I really remember about when I first met you was with your hat. You had a hat that when you had it on, it meant something, but I can't remember what it was. Did I? Yeah, you had a sort of trilby hat, and you said, "When I'm wearing this hat, it means this." I oh. think it. I think it was something sexual. No, no, it wasn't. Um, no, I know what that is. Yes, that was uh, it was quite a pretentious thing, really. Uh, no, that meant I was in actor mode. All right, when, when like, you had the hat on, when I had the hat on, I was Stu Jackson, the actor. But but didn't you didn't you have um, like two modes of acting? There's um, you know, they, they, we could say, well, this is from from Stuart's um, hatless sort of um, <laughs> tranche of acting, but this is. Um, 
a bit like Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. You can categorise his films into glasses on or glasses off. (laughs) (laughs) Glasses off, he's playing a bit of a hard case. He'll rough you up. Glasses on, he's playing someone a bit sort of sensitive and thoughtful. Well, I wasn't. um, It wasn't that I was playing characters wearing the hat. Um, Mm. What it actually comes down to. So there's a bit, a bit of quite deep psychology in this. If you Mm. if you bear with me, the listeners will bear (laughs) with me on this. so I'm actually a very introverted person. Um, mm. People who know me quite often find this very hard to sort of relate that to the person that they see. Um, mm. I'm a very sociable person, but also I'm I'm quite insular. I'm <laughs> I'm very open, but I'm also very closed. It's it's a weird it's a weird state to be in, but that's how it is. Yeah, you're, uh, you're defying where, stereotypes here. Yeah. I, I know, right? Um, but wearing that hat meant that I was effectively playing a role of an extroverted version of myself. Okay. Which I found was like at the time was quite useful when I went for mm. auditions, when I was networking with other, you know, industry people, that sort of thing. Um, mm. Oh, anyway, <laughs> I'm over all that now. Uh, that was that was so 2016. Um, it was a phase. 2015, in fact. Was 2015, was that yeah. seven years? Have I known you for seven years? Well, no, just over six years then. Just over six, yeah. Wow. Gosh, feels like Blimey. a lifetime mm. in a good way. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um today's subject actually no before we get on today I, I've just spent the morning uh, today editing our last episode that we've recorded mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the the listener special that Israel wrote into us and, and asked us mm-hmm. to look into and I suddenly made this realisation that the guy we were talking about Admiral Richard E. Bird mm. uh, Dickie Bird Dicky Bird. Dicky Bird. Uh, now, wasn't, wasn't you're he looking a at me for... No, I thought Dicky Bird was a, a, an English cricketer. There was an English cricketer named Dicky Bird, uh, very, very famous. Um, but but also, he was actually Richard B. Bird. Uh, Dicky Bird. Actually, Dicky Bird was Harold Dennis Bird. Right. But the he cricketer. was known as Dicky Yeah, the cricketer was known as. Dicky Bird, mm. uh, but no, the Dicky Bird is uh, rhyming slang in, in London, in the UK. We have ra- like rhyming slang for various things. Going up the apples and pears means you're going upstairs, and a lot of people will be familiar with rhyming slang. I'm sure it's it, it supposedly a, an underworld code to prevent police from uh, understanding what they're talking about. But it's, uh, it's a really, really easy code <laughs> to crack. If it everyone rhymes. knows it, yeah. Uh, well, You're having a giraffe, ain't you? That's it. Um, well, Dicky Bird is like, no, I won't say a Dicky Bird, mate. A word. Mm. Mm. So, anyway, that just really amused me, and you've looked at me all blankly now, and now I feel like a prat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just my my normal look, you know, jaw hanging slackly, bit of dribble on the chin, you know. <laughs> 
Dead eyes. Okay, Cletus. Um, <laughs> let's let's crack on with today's. Yes, because I'm still doing I'm still doing the um, the welcome. So today. Oh, sorry. Yes, no, 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 I let you. I mean, I'm interacting during my during my welcome. So continuing with my welcome before I was so rudely interrupted. Um, this week we are we are looking at something called Utsurobuni, a mm. Japanese mystery from the early 19th century. And also related to other mysterious events before and since. Yes. Uh, in fact, we can put it down to a specific date. Uh, 22nd mm. of February, 1803 mm. is when, when this all kicks off. Um, now, the, the words themselves, Utsurabune, um, translates as hollow boat. Well, you'd have a bit of trouble getting inside a solid one, wouldn't you? That's... Do you know that, that, w- that would be a surfboard, <laughs> wouldn't it? A solid boat. <laughs> There's a lot of truth in what you say, um, but yeah. So this um, this strange, ethereal, um, beautiful woman lands off the Hitachi coast in this very strange enclosed craft. Well. Was it that strange, really? I mean, it was a covered craft. It was round, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't uncommon in, in those days. Uh, probably not. It's, it's not so common now. I mean, you won't see many people paddling around in, in coracles in, in Britain. But, you know, apparently at that, that time it wasn't that unusual to have a round boat. It's probably an easy shape to make. And if you're going to cover it, you will end up with something that looks like a flying saucer. Unless you have a flat cover, in which case you've got a lie flat in the bottom of the boat. If you want a bit of room, it's got to be well, that sort of saucer shape, isn't it? If you're going to build a boat, hmm. surely there are a couple of things you want to do. One is you're going to want um, a means of propulsion. Depends what you want to do with the boat, doesn't it? Uh, if, well, you, if, you just, if you just want to cast someone adrift as a punishment... To, to go and perish at sea, then uh, yeah. Well, if you if you wanting to someone to perish at sea, you don't put them in a boat. Well, this was one of the theories, wasn't it? That it was um, it was a punishment that this this was a, a woman, a high ranking person from a, a strange and exotic land, who had committed adultery or something like that. But because of her high rank, was spared the death penalty, and instead was just put in a boat and. Yeah, and, and not an open boat as well, a, a covered boat, and pushed out. So yeah, she, the fact that she's in a boat at all, and the fact that the boat is covered to protect her from the weather, um, that suggests that that you know that they're going to make a basically they wanted to starve to death well, rather than drown or or. I mean that's utter utter speculation because this mm. woman couldn't speak a language. That the, I mean, she was found initially by fishermen. Of course, she was brought ashore. Uh, she spoke a language that nobody understood at all. Um, so everyone speculated, and, and that that was one of the speculations yeah. about her origin. Well, but here's the thing: if they wanted to starve to death, why did they put food and water in the boat? Oh, give her, a, give her a, a fair chance. Maybe that's the punishment. <laughs> Like that mutiny on the bounty. Flip of the coin. Um, the, the mutineers put Captain Bly and his supporters into an open boat, set them adrift in, was it, I know they ended up, was it on South Georgia 
in the South Atlantic. And it's still the record for the longest navigation in an open boat, because although Captain Bly might have been a martinet who drove his crew to it, um, drove his crew to to mutiny because of the harsh conditions he imposed on his crews, he was a very, very, very good seaman Mm. and negotiated them to safety on South Georgia, where he sort of told the authorities and it was... um, it was um, Lieutenant Christian, wasn't it, that, that got first. But also, um, Captain Bly was a better connected person socially and politically. So that's oh no, it was, it was Christian Fletcher Christian, wasn't it? He was the he was the better connected socially and politically, which is why Captain Bly is the bad guy in Mutiny on the Bounty. <laughs> right. but, um, but yeah, but basically, they could have just thrown them to the sharks or would have thrown them into the sea. But they put them in a boat, and I think. Yeah, it's been speculated this is a, a similar kind of punishment. Just put it in a boat, cover the boat, so that, and, and also it's round. So if it gets hit by a wave from whichever direction, it won't make a difference. If you're in a long shaped boat and a big wave is coming, you want to turn to face it. You don't want it hitting your side on because you're done for then. Well, it's interesting you you raise that as a point because I have my own theory, and I I genuinely I don't think this was a punishment to give people a better sort description of this this vessel that she was found in then like you say it was covered over it was round in shape uh it was described as being like an incense burner a japanese incense burner mm. um it was 3.3 meters high and 5.4 meters wide it had uh it was copper bottomed um it had clear windows on the top of it um, there was writing inside, but it was again a language uh, or symbols that nobody could decipher. And now I want to come back onto those symbols in a little bit because okay. I think there's a very pertinent aspect to them that we'll come back on. But there was no no form of steering with this vessel that, that's mm. ever been discussed. No form of propulsion. To me, it sounds more like a lifeboat. Yeah, than than a you know something you put someone in to punish hmm. them with, uh, like an escape pod. But even you know a, a boat like a coracle, which is an open boat, it's I think they're they're particular to whales. Um, the Welsh fishermen would use them. It's a round boat. No, that has no means of propulsion, but apart yeah, apart from the guy in it with a paddle. Okay, um, but that needs to be an open boat if you're going to paddle it. If the fact that it's closed Mm. and it's got no form of propulsion, that sounds to me like an underwater vessel, basically a a submarine escape pod. Of course, in in 1803, um, submarines were only being speculated by, Mm. I, I don't know, was Jules Verne... Uh, yeah, Jules Verne was after then, even with the Nautilus. Yeah, talking about you know twenty thousand leagues under the sea. I, so I think, that, I think they just... got to yeah, they got they got to diving bells. I think by that stage. Oh, so that that that's what that sound. That's my own personal theory is that this was like an escape pod. Okay, I mean the fact that she landed in Japan, which was a very closed society. Mm-hmm. They were shut off as much as, say, North Korea is today. No one, if anyone landed, that that would have set alarm bells ringing. But it was the Edo period, yes. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
Um, also, the fact that she didn't speak their language. Well, not only would she not have spoken Japanese, but it was probably a particular version of Japanese. There's, there were probably all sorts of different dialects. And someone who lives, you can't understand someone who lives more than 20 miles away, much as in England at the time. You know, if someone yeah. from Kent travelled up to Yorkshire, they'd probably find it very difficult to understand what people were saying. Yes. So. Um, I I can ap- absolutely accept that. Um, but it's not just the fact that she spoke a strange language. To, to give, again, to give mm. our listeners a description of this woman, she was described as being one and a half metres tall, um, pale skin, uh, with red eyebrows and red hair um Mm. but her hair had these strange extensions on them white extensions Mm. um that were made either of a very finely cut fabric or of skin they weren't entirely Mm. sure which is a bit odd in of itself her clothing was some strange fabric that they couldn't Mm. fathom um now we think today, you know, think about like neoprene and wetsuits mm. and things like that. That sounds, you know, that that would be a material that would seem very strange back in those days. So um, there's that, and she was carrying a box twenty three centimeters in length that mm. she absolutely would not let go of whatsoever. Mm. Um. But yeah, she couldn't make herself understood to them. She whether she could understand them or not is another matter. Um, I'm going to come back to these symbols now hmm. on the inside of this craft. Um, so inside this craft, there was there was water, like I say, three point six liters of water. They found uh, hmm. there was food so that, that for her to drink, not not oh drinking water, the... drinking water, yes. Yeah. Um, there was um there was meats and some kind of bread um mm. this is how it was described there was bedding um no mention of a toilet mm. but you know um but maybe perhaps, they just neglected to mention perhaps it. yeah they just didn't list that it's something that was so, so so bloody obvious well of course you got some sort of something to shit in, um, in. could be um but yeah, so she's she's a very strange person herself. She's in this very unusual craft um, that's not been seen before or since. Um, mm. There's these strange symbols on the inside. Now the symbols um, are they're almost like hieroglyphic in mm. nature. Uh, they're almost like pictograms. What are they? Because um... I mean, these these Japanese fishermen. After their interaction with her, they they put her back in the boat and pushed her back out to sea, didn't they? So we've only got their word of. I mean, these these are J- Japanese fishermen who, if they could read at all, it was probably one written version of Japanese. There, I mean, there are a few different versions. They wouldn't have understood. They wouldn't have recognised Russian, or they might have recognised Korean. They copied they wouldn't them have, down. Did they? Yes, yes, there is a record. There's four different symbols that that have been recorded from this. The first one is, if you imagine, like an equilateral triangle um, with a circle on its left-hand edge. Mm. The second one looks 
all the, for all the world like a television antenna. Uh, a series oh. of horizontal lines with one vertical line up the middle. The third one, if you imagine a cross with circles at the top and bottom ends of it. And the last one is, again, an equilateral triangle with circles on both edges. Now, there's two things that this instantly puts me in mind of. One mm-hmm. is... In the Roswell crash, the debris that was found had what was called or described as hieroglyphs on it, mm-hmm. and that sounds and, and the 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 artists' renditions that have been made of those look very similar to this, but also um, much closer to home for us. Neil, do you remember the Rendlesham Forest story from nineteen eighty? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm uh, just mm-hmm, along to, to everything. <laughs> um, see where you're going with this. Well, they described, uh, I think it was, is it, um, Lieutenant um, Penniston? I think it was Lieutenant Penniston. Apologies if I've um given him the wrong rank, but um, mm. but he wrote, he he drew some of these hieroglyphs that he saw, and one of them in particular is a triangle with two circles on it, but one at the very top corner and one on the very right-hand corner. Mm-hmm. So almost identical. So it, it could almost be from the same, if it is a language, the same language. And and have these shapes appeared in crop circles too? Just uh, throwing that out there. No. Well, certainly triangles and circles That's what I thought, appear yeah. very commonly, yes. But um, as I say, the, these these fishermen, they wouldn't have known another language, right? They, they, they copied it. Mm-hmm. Um, it there's, there's also been speculation. This could have just been decorative. They could have been trying to read flock wallpaper, effectively. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it's interesting. I mean, I'm just seeing the parallels with... Like I say, with Roswell, with Rendlesham Forest. Mm. Also with uh, the artwork of Kandinsky. That features a lot of triangles and circles. In does abstract it? Form. Okay. It does, okay. yeah. But maybe Kandinsky is being influenced by alien writing. Perhaps he is, yeah. Perhaps he is. <laughs> <laughs> they, they walk among us. Well, some of us believe they do. <laughs> now, about this boat, I mean, one thing that struck me as, as odd about it was if you're going to put someone to sea, either as punishment or in, in some sort of um, lifeboat-type vessel, mm-hmm. why would you need to reinforce the bottom of the, the boat? I mean, at first thought, I, I thought, it might, well, actually, that might be for stability. It, it was speculated that it was, it was um, did they call it embrazened or something? But basically, you've got these metal plates on the hull mm-hmm. that would stop it breaking up when it if it hit sharp rocks. Yes, um, I I did wonder if it, actually it was more for stability to keep it sort of bobbing like a cork, not not turning over the to keep the almost as ballast then as ballast. Yeah, so if the, it, it will always right itself if it gets if it gets. I mean, if it hasn't got that extra weight, if it turns upside down, the person who's in it goes to the bottom of the boat and they mm-hmm. become the new ballast. So you need that weight. Because I thought, well, you don't need to protect against sharp rocks because you're only going to hit sharp rocks when you come close to shore, really. And then then you're safe, aren't you? 
talking about it depends where the, you are. If you were designing a lifeboat, you'd want it to be capable of handling any surroundings in the water, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, but you're really thinking deep water, aren't you? Sorry, that, that bit about being a ballast, being a, a, a counterweight, only occurred to me as I was saying yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I but think it that's did strike a perfectly that, reasonable thing to say, yeah. That, that, yeah, this it doesn't have any visible means of propulsion, much like many of the UFOs we've seen, but unlike the UFOs we've seen, it didn't have any vis- give any visible sign of being propelled by anything other than the elements. Well, if it's if its purpose is to basically just keep someone alive until rescue can be found, um, mm. you're not just going to want it for deep water. You are going to want this thing to wash ashore potentially, aren't you? Yeah. So once- yes, protection from rocks would be very sensible. Well, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, would it have protected the craft from being dashed by by huge waves against sharp rocks on a, a craggy coastline? I mean, I'm thinking, yeah, if, you, if you're on a lifeboat that has no visible means of propulsion, you've just jumped off a ship into this thing, you've got food and provisions, and you will either starve to death after a week or two or you'll hit land, um, whereupon you will get out. Well, that's where copper is an interesting choice, I I've personally think, mm. because there are stronger metals out there. If its sole purpose is just to withstand a battering, mm. you know, steel was around. Yeah. You know, you could have used steel, and that would be far more effective, surely. But copper is an excellent conductor of, certainly of electricity, Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know gold is better, but you know obviously a lot more expensive, a lot rarer. Um, yeah. But who knows what other energies copper may be excellent at, um, at mm. conducting? I know copper is used copper devi- uh, dowsing rods or divining rods uh, are particularly effective. So who knows what mm. other energies, um, otherworldly or otherwise. I, I suspect if the hull of her little craft had been made of gold, she would not have made it alive. <laughs> they would not. They would not have put her back to sea in it. You can, you can have one of our fucking fishing boats for no. keeping this. I was going to say, yeah, they might have put her back to sea, but yes, um, no, I'm inclined to agree. And what do you make of this box? Um, it, who knows? I mean, it was obviously something valuable to her. There was some suggestion that it was the head of her lover who'd been punished. You know, she was a princess who'd strayed, so her lover gets his head chopped off. It gets put in a box, and she's allowed to take that with her. Um, but could have just been her valuables. Yeah, weird random speculation. I'm going to put that one down to. Yeah, weird I'm- random. So, but yeah, just something. Yeah, just the valuables. Don't touch this. It's mine. I'm going to put forward in another theory again. So, okay, there's another aspect to all this uh, that we've not discussed yet, uh-huh. which is talking about the dragon's triangle. Now, the dragon's triangle is very familiar to something that undoubtedly our listeners will be familiar with: the Bermuda Triangle where lots of vessels have gone missing, and the Dragon's Triangle is just south of Japan. Very similar in terms of lots of history of uh, instrumentation going haywire, vessels disappearing without a trace, that sort of thing. 
And it's been speculated in both cases that with the Bermuda Triangle and the Dragon's Triangle that there are underwater, if you like, extraterrestrial bases. This is a lot less well known than the Bermuda Triangle, isn't it? I mean, it I suppose, is far Barry, less well known. But, yeah. Bermuda, yeah, Barry Manilow never made a song about <laughs> Dragon Triangle. Try to see it from my angle. I, I think he missed a trick there. <laughs> he missed he a really trick. Did. That could have been. That maybe, maybe it was the B side. I don't know. I never bought the single. <laughs> um, but let's hypothesise for a moment that that's the case. That would seem like you know if one of these underwater. Extra, I'm saying extraterrestrial submariner um, beings. One of their vessels, if if an escape pod from that was launched with this this person in, um, yeah, why not? And maybe the box that she was carrying was some sort of either homing device or communications device. And she was waiting rescue. I mean, something like that you definitely would not want out of your sight. And she was never seen again. Well, she was, as you rightly said, she was put out to sea in her vessel and sent off. Into the vastness of the Pacific Ocean. And no wreckage has ever been found of this vessel, no sign of it or her ever again. So I speculate that... In fact, do you know what? Yeah, I mean, we've reached that point in the show anyway, so I'm going to give my speculation Blimey, doesn't about time this whole fly. story. Doesn't it, though? Um, first this time. I know I normally ask you first, but mm. I'm going to do mine first this time. Um, <laughs> I think that she was indeed... I'm, I'm going to say extraterrestrial. Uh, otherworldly being. That's a, that's a better phrase. Otherworldly being from a an under-the-sea base or vessel launched in an escape pod um, for whatever reason, we have absolutely no idea, uh, with her communications device or homing device, washed ashore in this strange village, um, and subsequently, after being sent back, um, picked up and recovered. That is what I believe has happened here. What about you, Neil? Um, it's certainly very mysterious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think the story has come from a, a reliable source. I mean, these are, it's, it's folktale almost this, this strange person who they'd never seen the like of before from their closed Japanese society. They would, they would never have seen, um, a European, for instance. Actually, one question, would, would 1.5 meters have been regarded as tall in Japan in those days? I mean, I'm 1.8 metres, so she would have been a third of a metre, which for our American listeners, that's about a foot shorter than me. She would have been about five foot tall. Um, I shouldn't have thought that was considered particularly tall, no. I mean, we're only going back 200 years. Hmm. You know, we're we're not going back into the mists of time. Um, You know, it wasn't as long ago as all that. And you're saying they would never have seen Europeans... Yeah, there were times when Japan was not a closed-off country prior to this. So, but, but fish fishermen living in a remote fishing village, fishermen, um, they, they they wouldn't have seen anyone from a big city, probably. I, I agree, but it's not like they wouldn't have heard of them. I don't know. I don't know what they would have heard of or not heard of. I, you know, I'm, I'm showing my ignorance of. I've got to read more James Clavell. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, 
to 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 further my understanding of European encroachments into Japan I mean, as it started to open up to the rest of the world. Um, Japan was very aware of the rest of the world. Like the the average everyday person two hundred years ago was aware of the outside world. Well, I, I'm sure Japanese diplomats and politicians were, but I'm not sure the average Japanese fisherman living in a small village on the coast would have been that aware of the rest of the world. You drew a parallel with modern-day Korea. Mm. Um, North Korea, yeah. Yeah, your your modern-day North Korean will know about Europe. Yeah, they will. They will know it as the enemy. Yeah, they'll still know about them, even if they can't contact them. Yeah, they'll certainly know what Americans look like, because they'll they'll, they'll be presented as demons. There you go. Um, But with this, I I think it's mysterious... I can't see anything to suggest that it's it's otherworldly. The the woman appears to be human. The craft appears to be made of materials that are the, the fishermen were all familiar with. Didn't regard it as any particular value. Um, not, but not, not her so clothing. That her clothing, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. But I don't think I'm coming down now. I don't think she was an extraterrestrial. Okay. What do you think, listeners? We always want to know what you think about the uh, about, about everything we talk about. Uh, but, yeah, in particular about the Utsuro Bune. Um, worth having a Google and looking at some of the images of it that have been uh, rendered over the, the years and some of the accounts. And she looks very Japanese in some of those renditions. In some of them, yes. Uh, not so much in mm. others. So... Mm does that um but yeah do have a look do let us know you can contact us via the usual means you can email us aliensexplored at gmail.com you can find us on facebook you can find us on twitter uh by searching aliens explored or you can find us of course at aliensexplored.com um, and while you're at it, uh, do leave us a cheeky little review. Uh, give us a star rating. Spotify for our Spotify listeners, they have now opened up uh, star ratings on Spotify. So if you're listening to us through that, do please leave us a review. It helps us massively because we're only a small little podcast. Yeah. It's just me and Neil. Uh, five stars. Together. Five stars, please. Yeah. Four, <laughs> four stars. Four stars is the same as one star. It's a fail. Uh, for, 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 for any of you who have watched Corporate, the, the last series, you will know that four stars is a fail. Uh, but we are open to constructive criticism as well. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. No, you leave us whatever you think oh. we are deserving of. Um, absolutely. <laughs> Less constructive criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and don't forget to tell your friends. Uh, word of mouth is always very welcome for this show. Uh, don't forget to join us next time when, oh, Neil, it's that time of year. I get to do a roundup of all the crop circles, my favourite subject, mm. for 2021. And it's an interesting one. Yay! It's really interesting what's been going on last year with the crop circles. So you don't want to miss that one. Uh, until then, keep watching those open seas for any strange vessels and strange women in them. Yes, don't, don't go off with any strange... Well, actually, yeah, do. my advice will be do go off with strange women. <laughs> <laughs> 
Why does that it, not surprise yeah, me? No, no, nothing can possibly go wrong if you and, go off uh, with a strange woman. As well as watching the open seas, keep watching the skies as well. <laughs> that's it from me. And take that's care. it from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, take care and <laughs> watch your back. Um, <laughs> that sounds and, like a threat. Why are you threatening the listeners, dude? Well, why is it when I, when I say something? <laughs> Watch your back, yeah. It's like, you know, when you've been to hospital and you, you get a text off and saying, um, would you recommend this A&E, this accident in the emergency department, <laughs> to your friends or family? Well, that's a threat, isn't it? <laughs> Recommending a, an accident in the emergency department. <laughs> right. As we take Neil away and uh, give him his tablets, because it's clearly that time. I've got a bit overexcited. We will see you next time. Catch you next time. Bye-bye. Aliens Explored is a Fecal Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter or Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit us on aliensexplored.com.